Coming up on today's show... Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal of the Around the NFL podcast join the show to talk Browns and Patriots. And you can concoct a plan to destroy their podcast and steal all of their listeners. I'm kidding. Or am I? Tomahawk Live is only two weeks away. We did the math and it's our 100th episode. That was totally by accident. We're keeping it 100, Cleveland. Players only meetings, croquet clarification, and we answer the question everyone's been asking. Is Matt Schaub still in the NFL? All of this and much, much more coming up on another Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award winning episode of the Tomahawk Show. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, Zach Jenkins in Columbia, South Carolina. Thoughts on the first slate of games? I really could care less. Just waiting for 425. Thoughts for the Browns game? And I may be a fool, but I believe the Cleveland Browns are going to win today and shock the world. Go Browns, baby. Tom <laughs> Price of Lorain, Ohio, in fucking Georgia. What is going on? <laughs> it's my birthday today. My grandma got me a Nick Chubb jersey. My wife got me Brown Steelers tickets. Everything was so awesome. But all I really wanted was the Browns to beat the Patriots. But guess what? Couldn't get that for my birthday. And it was today. I realized with my six and my seven-year-old running around the house acting like maniacs, it's way, way harder to be a Browns fan than it is to be a parent. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to go toe-hawk myself so hard. (laughs) This is Brandon from Rocky River. Just want to say, if you guys bring the cocaine... You're going to get a lot more people at the House of Blues. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award winning Tomahawk Show. I, I Wikipedia that award. I have no idea. What yeah, it tell us more to. about that. I would love to know more about that award. Yeah, me too. As soon as it comes in the mail, we're going to talk about it. This is the official <laughs> podcast of Crocane, as you can hear by the voicemails. I am Andrew Hawkins, the humblest of the two co-hosts here today. Fun fact about me, I got hit by a car when I was 12 years old riding my bike. Okay? That is fun. I, I went airborne on my bike. The lady jams on her brakes and is like frantic and crying and like, oh my gosh, are you Okay. And I said, yes, I'm fine. Got on my bike and rode home because I wasn't supposed to leave the house. My mom told me, you better not leave the house. When I left, I got hit by a car and I never told anybody because I was scared to get in trouble. There was only one witness. And to this day, Shannon Timmons laughs every time she sees me. Like, remember you got hit by a car? That shit was hilarious. (laughs) So I am joined by Joe Thomas, my humble co-host, not quite as humble as I am, former Cleveland Brown great who played 1,000 consecutive snaps and in between there he had four consecutive children joe how you doing today man (laughs) oh i'm doing great um what was that movie blank check that's what it was (sighs) hadn't you seen blank check at that moment that you got hit by the car because the the the, uh theme of blank check was the kid got his bike run over by the rich guy and the rich guy wrote him a check but he forgot to fill out how much it was (laughs) for right so if you would have been smart at the age of 12 when you got hit you would have gone the blank check route listen but you probably would have gone into a life of crime and cocaine <laughs> and never would have made it to the NFL. And then we never would have had a podcast. So that would have been really, really sad. Yeah. Uh, but there was no of amount my, of money 
that she could have given me that would have been worth the, the ass whooping I would have got for leaving the house that day <laughs> when I had explicit instructions from my parents not to leave, okay? She could have said it was too many. I said, lady, keep it. You didn't see me. I didn't see you. And that was the end of it. <laughs> now, I walk with a limp, but hey, it was all worth it in the end, man. Yeah, can you imagine how quick you would have been had you not been hit by a car and broken your pelvis and never had it fixed at right. 12? You'd be, you, your short children would have been 2.9 instead of 3.9. Right, it's probably why it only grew to 5.7. So, Joe, how you doing today, man? <laughs> Uh, good. It was a it was a rough weekend in the Thomas household from a football standpoint. Ooh. My Badgers got smoked on Saturday by <laughs> yeah. Ohio State. Back to back smoking. Easily the best team in college football. They're probably the best football team in college that I've ever watched on TV. Wow. I think they're better than some of those Clemson Alabama teams that we've seen. That defense is absolutely lights out. The speed that they have, the athleticism, the way that they can cover sideline to sideline and disrupt an offense's flow and in the back end they got a bunch of ball hawks uh it's that's a tough matchup for anybody i think they're probably going to win the national title do you think they could so, beat the miami dolphins let's get right to it ohio <laughs> you know, state it, or miami it, dolphins it used to really piss me off when i was playing in the nfl <laughs> yeah, you were when people would a lot say shit like that because that was us remember <laughs> yeah. we were 0 and 16 1 and 15 and yeah. everyone was like oh could alabama beat cleveland and people were really talking about it and people really thought that that was a, there was a chance and it used to piss us yeah. off and we were like, yes, of course they can. Don't rub it in. <laughs> I, I would get so mad about it, but I but then I realized like anybody that's really spent time and seriously cared about that question knows that obviously wouldn't even be close. No. And you're just a clown if you think that any college team could keep up with any NFL team. Because when you look at the NFL roster, like Every team is made up of all all Americans right. and first round picks. Even the Miami Dolphins, as crappy as they are, right. all those dudes are first round picks, and all of them were all Americans at whatever colleges they went to. And it's just a different level in the NFL. I agree. And then the Browns got beat today. So yeah, so it was a tough tough weekend. I was over two this weekend, but you know what? I had a great weekend with the kids, and it was a lot of fun. On uh, last Thursday, we went up to Minnesota for the Thursday night game. The game wasn't the best, but I got to see Adrian Peterson in person again, and that dude looks like he's 24 years old still. The way he runs the football, and all they did, they would hand it off to him, and he would just run right up the middle as hard as he could, and he was still <laughs> steamrolling people. So that was that was pretty fun to see. And we got Kid Cuzzy on the set Kid after the game, which I'm, I, I know you probably didn't stay up late and watch no, the Thursday night not. game, but we had Stefan Diggs, who was a Tom Flock member yep. and uh, uh, an alumni. Great guy, by the way. It was awesome having him on there. Steve Smith asked him to his face if he's still happy in Minnesota, if he wants to be traded. <laughs> and he didn't say anything about like clearly denying that he wanted, didn't still want to be traded. All he said was, yeah, I, I like my teammates in Minnesota. <laughs> it's uh, I, I'm I guess I'm happy. They yeah. have a good mall here. I'm, I'm happy That's here. Been cool and shop, Kirk right? Cousins, the entire interview, <laughs> acted so sad like he had downloaded the Tomahawk show for the flight home, but that once he got up in the air, he realized it was on iCloud and he didn't have Wi-Fi to be able to listen to it. <laughs> because even though he was like, you know, 24 out of 27, 300 yards and they won, he looked so sad on the set after the game. And I, I couldn't figure it out. I should have asked him why, he, why you, the sad face. Do you think it's because he's heard you talk shit on him before <laughs> do you think that could well, have anything to do with it so i i this past off season i actually did an appearance with him we did a usaa event uh -huh. um 
uh, USA is like a military insurance company. Yep. And so we did a live event at the Super Bowl down in Atlanta together. And so him and I were up on stage uh, answering questions. There was a moderator for like 200 members of the military and their mm-hmm. family. It was a really cool event. We signed autographs for him. We took pictures. That was nice of you. How much did they pay you? And uh, they paid me in love and oh, hugs yeah, and the ability to sit next to Kirk Cousins yeah, and uh, associate our brands together. Um, but I think what the, re- the real problem was, we were up there and I stole the show. Everyone in there was like, who is this guy? You know, did he play in the NFL? <laughs> we just came here to see Kirk Cousins. But let me tell you, he hey. is so handsome. I would come and listen to him anytime. So we need to make sure to send direct invites to all those people for the live show at the House of Blues. Yep. Get your tickets now, I think November 13th, Wednesday night. Yep. It's confirmed. The old lady's coming. Hawk's going to be there. We've got tons of amazing guests that I cannot wait to start uh, rolling out here pretty soon. Yeah. It is definitely going to be the place to be in the football universe on Wednesday, November 13th to kick off. It's 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 the eve of the Brown Steelers Thursday night. That's not even the more important event. So don't even go there, but it is the eve Fuck of that. But do you know what the crazy part is, Joe? That we didn't even figure out. And this is a, this is a part of our marketing team. We fired two members of our marketing the, team. I was going to say, did, did we kill them? Yeah, we had to. And by fire, and we literally lit them on fire. And watch them burn. <laughs> yeah, when we death. say fire, we don't mean we took their job status. Yeah, we don't. We're very literal here. We actually lit them on fire outside <laughs> of uninterrupted studios. The live show on November thirteenth at the House of Blues in Cleveland at six thirty is our one hundredth episode. Imagine that. That was not planned. As you can tell by the flyer, that it does really not is. happen. It really is. So we didn't our, have to take it like a bye week between no, now and then just to make it work, or like fit in a couple show. extra episodes. How wow, crazy that is, is that? That's special. Oh, man. So listen, for everybody listening, if you haven't got your tickets yet, we've just turned up the celebration notch by 1,000%. Yeah. This is a 100th episode. We're going to yeah. pull out all the stops. Yeah. We're going to yeah. fire somebody yeah. live on stage, probably a Steelers yeah. fan. Um, we're looking for volunteers. Yeah. I have a question. Feel free to sign so up. at the show, our, we're, we're creating this drinking game, right? It's like the Kyle Shanahan, Tom Hawk yeah. drinking game. Yep. Are we going to be playing the tomahawk drinking game on set during the live show with the guests and the audience members the audience is for sure absolutely the audience will be playing the tomahawk drinking game what's the rule are we working on the rules are we allowed to yeah we're going to roll out the rules midweek this week all right that's producer but i'm wondering what are the rules for the performers like I went to go see Hanson there, of course, very well known. And I went to go see Ted Nugent there. This Hanson concert way too many times on this show. And uh, you know, I feel like Hanson was probably (laughs) ripping shots in the back before they came out, and they were probably firing a couple up in 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 the middle of the show. Um, Are we allowed to do these things, or do we have to keep it professional? Because I don't want to do that. The cool thing because I do this podcast. Hang on a second. I do this podcast for fun, not because it's a profession. Uh, I want to have fun at this live show. I want to let it loose and act like we're. We're not being recorded. If you act, quote unquote, the professional you're talking about, Tomaflock members will walk out. They want the Cleveland Coach 73 Joe to, to yeah, come baby. to the party, We're man. Getting lit. Cool part about We're the Tomahawk show lit. is that you're the boss. So you can do literally whatever you want. You could do <laughs> Coach 73. You can do Mountain Dew. You can do Crocane. Yeah, <laughs> we need to get a bunch of croquets made, like specifically yep. for the show, and then shoot them out of like a Gatling gun, a t-shirt gun. So uh, this must have been in Denver. I forget what game I was going to. I think it was a Thursday night game, and the the 
fan t-shirt toss has become militaristic. <laughs> they actually had a Gatling gun that they filled with like a thousand t-shirts and then shot them into the audience <laughs> with the mascot. And it was like, <laughs> it was one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen in a pro sporting event. And I think we need to get that for the Tomahawk live show at house of blues, November 13th with Crocane. Yeah. That's what we need to cro- do. And for Claire, if you just started listening to the Tomahawk show, if this is the first episode you've ever come to the Crocane thing might seem like a bit much. Okay. It's not what it sounds like. We're not Crocane advocating drug use is actually us candy cane in the shape of a crowbar okay it, it was a, it was a weird conversation things got weird last week that's all i'm gonna say and then we're gonna move on from there okay listen interact with us Let's on social media at tomahawk show on reddit twitter and instagram hit our facebook group up the tama flock and call our voicemail line as you can listen and hear you are an important member of the show the tomahawk line is 440-628-1376 if you're listening Go check out the YouTube. See me and Joe's beautiful faces, man. We don't have uh, $70 million paying TV shows just because our voices are great. No, we're incredibly good looking, mm. um, which is why this is the official podcast of Angelina Jolie. All right, it's time to talk Browns, Patriots. But first, joining the Tama Hotline, we're going to hit up our guys Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal from the Around the NFL podcast. Call them up. Tomahawk. Uh, All right, now special guests with us on the Tomahawk Show. We did a little home and home with them last week, and now it's time for them to repay the bet. We've got Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler from the Around the NFL podcast. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you, Joe. I, I do notice you seem like more excited to say Mark Sessler's name, but you know. I mean, I think you know the job that we're doing here, where we're coming back on the on the tail end of a grisly Browns loss. I feel like I'm lifting the heavier weight <laughs> this time around. But yeah, enough. Greg, yeah. Greg couldn't wait to get on the show. He was he called in ten minutes early and just sat there. <laughs> I, I did hear you guys singing Bismarcky when we came on when our phones connected. You did not know we were listening, and that's what you do as a warm up exercise every show. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot different than when we played when we actually stretch. Now we just take a shot of bourbon and sing Bismarcky or other hits from 1998 just to get us back into the mood when we were at our prime as athletes. Yeah, 98. Well, well. When we were in person, we actually used to just kind of snuggle up next to each other's locker in the game. Yep, uh, sure. That was a really sure. good way to warm up, uh, share body heat. Um, yep. But unfortunately, Andrew lives the Hollywood life now in yeah. L.A., and uh, I'm just a blue-collar kid in the Midwest now. But uh, let, let's forget about all those uh, warm and fuzzies between me and Hawk. I think we wanted to do dog check. Was that right, Hawk? So we do a segment dog check where we you know, check in on the Browns. We have a really cool little uh, audio jump. Hey, why don't we drop the dog check really quick, Chris? Dog check! Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's usually that's more exciting than that when we win. But that's our that's our loss version. Let's dive into this Browns game that uh, unfortunately all of us saw. Uh, a couple Browns fans here, uh, me and Hawk, and I know... Greg's a, a big, uh, or excuse me, Mark is the the Browns fan, and Greg is the non-Browns fan. Yeah. Um, so me, me and Greg are the former Patriots. <laughs> Gotta go. Right. <laughs> Gotta I, go I've been a, a former Patriot watching from the Doug Flutie, you know, yeah. score a touchdown from the crowd. Yeah. There so, go. uh, Mark, I got to ask you first, what was the overarching takeaway that you took after watching this uh, dreadful Browns performance today? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's a little twofold because to me it it you come out of the bye and there was hope that no, the number one thing that would be corrected, what is a bye week for other than having a bit of a vacation away from all the mess, is that you clean up some of the sloppiness. And instead, the Browns, you look at it at the end of the game, three turnovers, 16 penalties, many of those flags, absolutely drive-killing, excruciating penalties. The Patriots, zero turnovers, four penalties. I think we all knew that Cleveland needed to play an almost perfect game against Bill Belichick, a coach who is coaching unlike any other human being we've ever seen in yeah. Earth's experience at this point. And the chasm between the Cleveland and New England experience is wide at this, mm. at this stage. Yeah, oh, goodness. Yeah, I, I think you were spot on there because we had hoped that the bye week could be the get-right week that the Browns needed because we've seen flashes of greatness. We've seen some really fun stuff from the offense, from the defense. We've seen them get after quarterbacks, stop the run, but it's always happened in flashes and bursts. We have not seen from front to back a consistent game from the Browns, um, even from the coaching staff. You mentioned some of the penalties that popped up again today in this game, um, but something that's concerned me from a coaching standpoint is it seems like Freddie Kitchens still struggles with when to challenge plays. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, it it happened time. again a couple times in this game, and I wonder what type of process they have uh, from somewhere up in the booth to be able to radio down to Freddie to kind of help him along the way while he's trying to think of, okay, what play should I call? Should I review this? Uh, what's the next play? What's the personnel? And I just wonder if he doesn't have the right process in place with people upstairs that are helping him that are giving an opportunity to look at what's going on before he decides to throw that challenge play because um, they're just being misused too often, and we're still seeing a lot of those crazy things that are popping up in a game from a coaching standpoint. Like when they ran a draw on, what was it, 4th and 10 a few weeks ago, yeah. and then uh, a, a couple weeks later they're right on the goal line and the defense calls timeout as they're running a play and they line up in the same formation and run the same play again. <laughs> it's like it's those like right. rookie mistakes that we had hoped the bye week could maybe fix and it seems like this game was just more of the same. And of course, you know, Bill Belichick Patriots team is always going to kind of get the worst out of your team. But it, it just seemed like it, it felt worse coming out of the bye. Maybe maybe I'm just a, a homer and it just hurts more <laughs> when, it, when it happens to my team. But uh, your take, Greg, where the Patriots are after this game, because I mean, and if you take away those three no, turnovers yeah. that happened basically in a row, the game totally would have been different. And I'm not saying that there's a concern in Patriots Nation because it was a sloppy field condition day with all the rain. But uh, if I'm a Patriots fan, I go, Ooh, we got a little bit lucky in this game and, and maybe we it wasn't as clean as we wish it would have been. But this is every week for the Patriots. This is why you know I keep waiting for it to end. In terms of you know winning the turnover battle, they're now plus seventeen on the season, which is outrageous after eighteen eight, eight games. But they've kind of done yeah. that season after season. The the Browns have to be such a frustrating team for you Thanks. guys to watch. Not to just switch Thanks, back at all. It's, because, well, no, it's, well I just mean this play. specific team. Break, because... Breaking news: uh, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> If you're a Browns fan, it must be frustrating. I'm writing that down, G. We're going to use that on our show this week. Okay. I just am saying in this game in particular, it, from my vantage point, and I wasn't surprised by this, I didn't see these two teams when they lined up as very different. You know, yep. it, if you look at what the Browns did, 5.3 yards per play, the Patriots were 4.8. And that's kind of where the Patriots are offensively. They're, a, they're an average offense that I expect will improve, but it's by far their worst offense 
I would say since 2001. You yeah. know, uh, they're they're struggling to move the ball. And you kind of aren't sure how they're ever going to make a play. But then they always come up with one when, when they need it. There was that sequence where it's third and 10, and it's a one-score game. And they hit James White for uh, 55 yards or whatever it was on a screen play. And they end up scoring that touchdown. And then the following drive, OBJ doesn't catch a very catchable ball. Oh, uh, you know, a back shoulder throw by Mayfield. And that was kind of game over. And that that's, to me, like these two teams that – yeah, like the Patriots are struggling to move the ball, but whenever they need a play, they find a way. Well, th- my question is this, and I, I, I think you're right. And it's funny hearing you talk just as a Patriots fan. And I know we watch all the games and all the teams, and but we still have our teams that we root for every week. But it's funny hearing you say that like every game, the Patriots, when they need a play, they make it like in that third down to James White because for Browns fans, it's the complete opposite. Like every time we need a play, we know it's going to result in a 50-yard play by the other team. Um, and speaking of bad plays, my question is this. You guys have seen Mark Sanchez's butt fumble, right? <laughs> I don't know sure. if we've oh, named I don't know if we named Baker Mayfield's pitchception yet <laughs> from <Ooh>. today. <laughs> but which Ooh, play like do you think is uglier for a quarterback to make? Well, I think the fact that the butt fumble involves <laughs> a human being's <laughs> that butt was on is spot always too, gonna by the be way. <laughs> Right, the right. name is better, butt fumble. Just, it's just, yeah, it's like a quarterback running into someone's um, butt, and so that's just going to always take the cake, I think, there. But right. the Baker Mayfield thing, it almost feels like, yes, we are in a computer simulation, and the football gods actually do <laughs> exist, because how do you explain those three turnovers right. in the first in five plays when two of them came from Nick Chubb, who looks like a cross between Jamal Lewis, as Tony Romo compared him to, and at times a little flash of Jim Brown. Sorry, yeah. maybe right. a wow. uniform. Well, that's He's fantastic. That's yeah. why I, I say it must be frustrating because those three plays, three turnovers and three plays, they all included a ton of Patriots luck. But it's also a combination of luck and maybe Lawrence Guy knew that play was coming and he yeah. was in position to make it. Yeah. And yeah, the... The Browns had the Browns luck where the offensive line kicked the ball out of Chubb's hand, but Van Noy pushed the lineman back into it. So it's like always a combination. Maybe that's why when these two these two teams are playing, it's like the the fortune and the, unfortunately like the bad luck. That's why they needed Hawk out there. Did you know Hawk scored a touchdown with Cody Kessler in the last time these two teams played? Could you imagine? I remember that game. How hard I had to work for that's that. That's a fun fact. That is a fun, that was, that was a fun fact. It was the only touchdown I think we scored that game. I oh, know touchdown Jesus Ooh. threw a touchdown. That's right. Clipboard Jesus. <laughs> That's Char- right. Charlie Whitehurst threw a touchdown I in think that so. game. Wow. Did not know he that. Did. Some he dark did. Times. He did right at the end of the game. I checked this box score to uh, give Hawk some shine um, You know that he scored against the Patriots. He's the Patriot killer. Well, my favorite story from that game is we were in the huddle and uh, a bunch of people got hurt. Well, Cody got hurt. I'm not sure if they tried to put Terrell Pryor in. And I think that was the game he said, no, you don't pay me to play quarterback because um, he was a receiver <laughs> for us. But Whitehurst comes in the huddle, and we're all trying to be encouraging. Now, Whitehurst got flown there the day before, right? So he signed with the team and flown, flew into Cleveland the day before to be the backup. Um, and he comes in the game and clearly frustrated on his face. So, you know, me and Joe being the leaders we are and the other offensive players are like, come on, baby, we got this. It's all good. It's all right. Keep in stride. We've been here before. And so we're like saying all these encouraging words. And Whitehurst goes, shut up. I can't hear the play. I don't know these damn plays anyway. <laughs> F it. Run, run, I'll go. Ready, break. <laughs> like, all right. I love Sound, it. Sounds good. <laughs> 
That was the one play he knew that he could figure out. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out of bounds at the sideline and make everybody think that I was trying to go for that deep back shoulder. Uh, But just make sure he didn't throw an interception because if he threw an interception, you know he'd be cut right Right. away. And he was looking to collect another seven grand for next week. But no, actually, that was a game I think Charlie got hurt. And so Terrell had to come in and take a couple snaps right at the end. Yeah, they but forced it was them. just like <laughs> handed off or whatever. So Charlie always has Jewel to go home to, though. So that, that yeah, helps he, a bit. He, he won every weekend. <laughs> oh, I've totally forgotten about that. Are they still together? Well, I don't have a beat on that one, but I know they were, they were for quite some time a thing. I think they still are. A young Mark Sessler had many, many yeah. a night dreaming of a young I think a, a that they're Jewel. nestled away in, in Nashville from what, from what I last heard. So. <laughs> Must be oh, nice. What a life. He's got a good life, man, I tell you. Uh, probably not a Browns fan anymore. But sorry for totally um, taking you guys off track by you know remembering no, Hawks last uh, performance. But it was it was hard to uh, come up with another Browns highlight. Really. From today. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, Greg. You're on fire today. We played this game on our podcast, Mark and Greg. It's called the catchphrase game. Are you familiar with it? We have not. Okay, so on, make on, us familiar. We want to. We want to play. Now that I'm putting you into it, now you're, you guys you're are going official to notice, members of the catchphrase game. Now. You've, you've been trapped. You're in here now. So what we do is every week, basically, our listeners. Oh, I do a, know this. I, I didn't know where you were going with this. Yes, we have to do every single week when we're on national TV. This week was no risk it, no biscuit. Uh, last week was can't measure that with an abacus. The, pr- the week prior to that was uh, give them the business or get your money's worth. We we've done that a bunch of times. I bright. What I about left them at the laundromat. Left them at the laundromat. Left them at the laundromat. This, this made the TNF heat. I am aware yeah. of this yeah. game. This is yes. the most. That was the most famous of them all. Well, I bring this up to <laughs> two reasons. One, you're going to be playing that. Number one, and number two, it mm. feels like Freddie is challenging plays. Like he and his friends are playing some sort of version of the catchphrase game with challenges. And like, I bet you won't challenge this most random play that doesn't matter. Mm. And he's like, you bet your ass I will. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> that pick play was at three yards. Challenge it. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. That's but now right. catchphrase game. All right. What Sounds do we got? We, we have to decide on a catchphrase. Do we have any options here? We got producer John in the room. You know, he, he's in charge of, of making sure he's checking out for these. John, do we have any yet? The leader in the clubhouse as of this past week was... Papa, don't play that. Okay. Papa, don't play that. So Mark and Greg, <laughs> that's what we're yeah. going with because I, I would love to okay. hear both of them say it. So Papa, don't play mm-hmm. that is the catchphrase of the week for the Tomahawk show. All right. How how good do you feel about working this into one of your broadcasts? And don't get not you can't do it on the podcast. It has to be on television. I feel great. I mean, I, I would feel great if I were on television more to uh, have a way to incorporate. But if they if they slip me on NFL Network, it's coming out of my mouth. I promise you, it's going to happen. You know, I'm a dad. I, a I feel like that line. fits in quite nicely. All right, so that's what we're It'll, going with. It, it's going to find some traction on NFL Network. Don't you worry. All right, so Browns, I need you guys to help me predict like what are the Browns going to do the rest of the season? I, me and Greg talked about it on our show that we do weekly game debut. We do it twice a week, Thursday and Sunday. Shameless plug. Make sure you're watching. Um, but today I said that on this NFL game network on Saturdays too the re airs. There, there you go. go. So I, I said that today was a hyper hope game for the Cleveland Browns. Like if we if we won, it would give us hope again. And if we lost, it would probably have our fan base feeling like the team is mostly hype. But they have a favorable back end of the schedule for you guys. How do you think that they're going to fare for the remainder of 2019? Because they're still a talented football team. I I didn't expect them to win today. So to you know once they dropped to two and four, I kind of penciled them in at two and five or two and five just to think, you know, listen, things have probably hit the low point here and, you know, Cleveland talk radio is going to go totally nuclear. We get all that. But 
You're right. The schedule plays very favorably down the stretch. And the flip side I talked about at the top here was all the negatives, yes. But on the other side of it, I do think if you go back to points in the Seattle game, some of it against the Rams, you saw what happened against the Ravens. They're, they're, they're in development, pre, elongated preseason has been going on forever. But I feel like they do have an aspect to their offense where they can be explosive and they can certainly run the ball. And the, some of the teams that are coming up, I think 8-8 eight and eight is the finish. Mm. And you come out of the season saying, okay, this was really hot and cold and it lived, did not live up to the hype. But there's something to build on, and it kind of reminds me of maybe a Niners team from last year that came in with all this hype and injuries hurt that Niners team. But the team just did not gel, and I yep. think they needed more than a couple months to make this happen. And I would look towards next year with an 8-8 eight eight record. Next week's big. They're at Denver, who's in every game, even though they're not a, a great team. You ha- The Browns have two games left against the Bengals. They have the Cardinals. They have the Dolphins. Dolphins. I mean, if... Yep. That, that that should they got be the four Steelers wins. Twice, like I said, too. right? They, they do have the Steelers twice, which I think those I think Greg was trying to say that he doesn't think we're going to beat the Steelers. That's what that was his subtle. <laughs> no, way of I'm saying, saying those no. are cl- at this point those are closer to coin flip games. They're certainly winnable, but yeah. that, you can't just count those a- as wins the way their defense is playing. But you have the Ravens at home. You you already beat. I think because and I hate. I'm not trying to be like a jerk or cruel or whatever. They're going to get back. I think in position to potentially break your heart again. Like I think they'll be back in position when they play that week 16 game against the Ravens to have a chance to make the playoffs. Like, I I don't know how it all happens, whether the Ravens Mm. fall back a little, whether the Browns go on a a pretty big winning streak, but I think like Mark that they'll get back closer above 500 and they'll be playing meaningful games the last couple of weeks. I think they're too good not to. They're really good on the defensive line too. They are too good. They're too talented, but they're not disciplined enough. And that's the thing that's going to need to change or they're going to be, you know, knocked off by a couple of these teams that we're just handing them W's against, which is the worst case scenario. You guys sound more down than I expected, Joe and uh, Hawk. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I, I, I think the problem is we just had a lot of hope. And I truly thought that they were going to play much better and that they were going to fix their issues in this game. You know, they had the whole bye week. They had two weeks. And Freddie Kitchens, I know, is on the hot seat a little bit. Maybe not like he's going to get fired, but he's under a lot more pressure. And, you know, people are starting to talk about was he the right decision or not. Um, and I just thought they were going to come out of this bye week and fix the turnovers, the penalties, and the stupid errors, the mental errors that constantly are showing up. I just thought I just really had bought into the hype and the hope of fixing those issues and that maybe we weren't going to beat the Patriots, but it was going to look like a good football game where it was more clean than uh, the game actually ended up turning out. But I think you guys have got me turned around a little bit. I am am hopeful and optimistic (laughs) now after hearing what you have sold to me, because if you look at their schedule, they play two teams with a winning record. The rest of the way, the Ravens and the Bills. I think that's it. And one of them you already beat. And you've already beat the Ravens, yeah. and I like I that it's matchup. it's the easiest schedule in the league. It should be. I, they had yeah. the hardest. The I problem think. is they're capable of losing any week, too. Yeah. That, that yeah. is true. Like, they're capable of winning any week, but they're capable of losing. No doubt. If you look at the AFC North, though, because really, to make it the playoffs, they just got to win the AFC North. And the AFC North is, I think... By far the worst division in pro football right now. You yeah. look at Cincinnati has not won. Cleveland has not lived up to expectations. Pittsburgh's really bad, and they're already 
down Ben Roethlisberger, which basically stick a fork in him. Baltimore is the best team right now, and they're kind of streaky based on how Lamar Jackson plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hawk's a huge Lamar Jackson guy. Oh, yeah. I am not. So yeah. I don't, I'm not buying the hype. And so I, I do think at some point he's going to get nicked. And when he loses just a half a step during the season, that is going to totally change their offense because right now everything for the Baltimore Ravens revolves around Lamar Jackson being a way better athlete than everybody else on the field. And everything flows down from there, from their running game to their passing game, to even how their defense is set up, where it's kind of like a ball control defense. They don't have very good uh, back end, but they're able to play a lot of coverages to make teams just try to run the football and shorten the game. Um, and the, so it kind of falls into their trap is what they want to do on defense. So uh, I am. Thank you. I, I got to say thank you, guys. I'm feeling much more hopeful and optimistic <laughs> yeah, about man. the Browns going forward. But um, do we believe in this Patriots team? They have got the easiest record or the easiest schedule so far. Uh, and they've got a little stretch coming up that's a little harder. But then. It's pretty easy down the stretch. Will that hurt them come playoff time that their schedule has been so easy and they've hardly been tested? They've got a couple tests, I think, later in the season, if I remember looking at their schedule. Um, But it's not like they've gone through the gauntlet before they go into the playoffs. I I look at a team that a Patriots team last year that kind of limped into January, and then it was almost like they finally decided to actually strategize against the opponent and mowed through people before holding the Rams to three points. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go 15-1, and one, honestly, even 16-0, and 0 because they win in so many different ways. I, I think they'll lose a couple games here, but they're in such great position to get the one seed and or their 10th yeah. straight bye, which is the craziest stat. In mm. NFL history, I think, to get a bye in 10 straight years. they okay Until next, they get it 11 straight next year. <laughs> yeah. Their next five weeks are at Baltimore, at Philly, versus uh, the Cowboys, at Houston, versus the Chiefs. So those are five playoff type of teams to me. They could easily lose a couple of those games. Uh, but I don't think that really matters. T- to them, they just, as a Patriots fan, and I think watching this team, I think they look at it this way. You just have to get into that situation where you have a bye, and then you just have three games that you have to win in a tournament. And I think their offense right now would not win a Super Bowl, but I expect their offense to be better by the time they're in January to figure some things out uh, and to change the way they're doing. And they're very banged up right now. I mean, they're missing three O-line starters. They might get a couple of them back. Uh, Sanu will get integrated into the offense. So I think they'll be better offensively by the time they get to the playoffs, but they'll lose some games. I just I saw a, a defensive player on the Patriots make a, a, a foul. There's a penalty that happened that it wouldn't have happened normally for New England, and Belichick pulled his little tiny spiral-bound notebook out of his pocket <laughs> Pocket, mm. And he's writing furious notes with a pencil in the pouring <laughs> rain. I'm like, the rest of the AFC is cooked. They are done. <laughs> this is not going to end well for them. Yeah, because no. I love how even in the pouring rain, Bill Belichick refuses to use any technology from no, the lack of right. using the surface, <laughs> or even like laminated cards, or even the fact that you could wear a waterproof hoodie or like a waterproof jacket. He just goes with the right, regular no. hoodie and doesn't even wear like any type of rain gear on his head. And I was thinking about that the other day, and I guarantee he thinks about that because he thinks about everything. And he's like, 
I can't go out there and lead as a player and show them how I want them to play and how I don't want them to think about mm. the elements, but I can do that as a coach by yep. just acting like it's not raining. And I'm just going to show up and dress exactly the same as I always do and just pretend it's not raining. And then I'm going to expect that from my players. And to me, in my weird head, this trickles down all the way to how tight ends block defensive ends. And it's frustrated the hell out of me this year. And I don't know why, because I saw Jimmy Graham do it uh, early on in the season and almost get Aaron Rodgers murdered. I watched the Wisconsin embarrassment to Ohio State on Saturday where they tried to put a tight end on Chase Young a few times and it was embarrassing. But then I watched the Patriots tight ends because Bill expects them to block like offensive tackles. They actually do a much better job versus when a coach just always makes an excuse and says, oh, well, we don't really expect our tight ends to be able to handle those guys. Then they don't get the effort out of them. So uh, I guess that's all Bill Belichick. Uh, <laughs> Basically, we're jealous. Brain okay? control. As a former Patriot, <laughs> we are jealous. Okay. Well, listen, jealous. We, we appreciate everywhere. you guys joining us here on the Tomahawk, man. It's been an incredible home and home around the NFL podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, listen, and share with a friend. Fellas, it has been a pleasure. Pleasure. Take care of yourselves. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. See you, Hawk. All right, Hawk. Big news is happening in November in the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. No, no, I'm not just talking about the Browns Thursday night game against the Steelers. I'm talking about the eve of the Browns Steelers Thursday night. I'm talking about our 100th episode where we're going to be able to celebrate with all of our fans in the great city that it began, Cleveland, Ohio, the city of champions. Joe, I never would have thought when we started this podcast almost two years ago, here we are celebrating our 100th episode right in front of the fans that made us the top media personalities in the history of sports media. But I can't wait. We are going to have a blast. We got all kind of guests coming through the show. We have celebrities. We have Browns fans. We got former players and Cleveland media personalities. Everyone's going to be having a blast. We need you to go buy your tickets. Head over to Ticketmaster. Hit up our Twitter account. Hit up House of Blues Cleveland. The tickets are for sale. VIP tickets are moving fast. I think we only have like four left in the VIP. So if you're one of the first four people to hear this, you're welcome. Also, follow us on social media at Tomahawk Show and sign up for our newsletter, tomahawk.show slash newsletter. You don't want to miss this epic night. It's all anybody will be talking about. This live show at the House of Blues is going to be epic. The fan interaction that we're going to be able to have at the show is going to be off the chain. There's been some rumors of everybody playing a drinking game. Mm. It's just going to be such an amazing opportunity for us to interact directly with the Tomaflock and vice versa. The energy in that space is going to be 100 out of 100. I can't wait. I can't wait to announce the guests we have. We're going to announce the guests next week. All right. So make sure you buy your tickets. Make sure you're locked in and ready to go because we will. And we're going to Joe Hawk ourselves in front of all of you. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. All right, that was our guys from the Around the NFL podcast. Like I said, make sure you subscribe to them. 
listen, share with a friend, but not if you haven't done any of those things for us, which a lot of you haven't. Leave a review. Leave a five-star review for the Tomahawk Show and around the NFL. Um, I told them before we started recording that we only invited two of them on because one of the guys said that they, they were the only two that mattered. I'm trying to literally break up their podcast so we can uh, purge on all their listeners. So it's genius business move by me and Joe. Incredible home and home. And we will soon have all 100,000 of their subscribers. All right, now it's time to get into our favorite segment, Am I Tripping? Tripping. Never gets old. Never gets old. old. All right, we got producer John in the room about to drop us with the first, what are these called? Question? First question. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Columbia. Could you tell? All right, John, you're up. Guys, the Bears lost another close game because of a short miss field goal. The Colts are living and dying on every Adam Vinatieri kick. Matt Bryant looks shaky. I'm done with place kicking. Even the Patriots are having kicking woes. I have a few theories. Am I tripping? Should the NFL get rid of place kicking forever? Um, Joe? Absolutely not. This is one of my favorite parts of football because it's so unrelated to the game of football. At what other point in the game do you trot out a miniature human being (laughs) who has zero muscles whatsoever, has no association with blocking, tackling, or throwing? I was going to say, and you expect. You're talking about me. I'm like, third downs, asshole. That's when. Sorry about that. That that did sound a lot like I was about to throw flaming hot takes. Wearing number 16, got hit by a car when he was 12. Why would you? And he's a Patriots legend. (laughs) At what other point in the game do you just roll this guy out and that 80,000 people that are in the stands and all 53 people on, on both rosters are watching him going, our livelihoods depend on <laughs> if you can kick the ball, which the ball is not allowed to be kicked at any other point in the game. If you can kick the ball through the uprights, we will be very happy and we will love you. If you don't, the other team will be very happy and love you and we will hate you and we will probably cut you because there's nothing more satisfying for a head coach than after a tough loss that probably wasn't only the kicker's fault or even mostly the kicker's fault to just sacrifice the lamb and just cut him and get rid of him and send him to the street and bring a new guy in there. Like it was his fault that you lost and you had a gazillion turnovers and mental errors and penalties in the game. I'm trying to think of the equivalent in another sport, like where the person doesn't really do anything until like the most crucial part of the game. Like maybe like Steve but, Kerr, but, but not Bulls. only, yeah, but, but not only that, but it's so unaffiliated with the rest of the game of football. Yeah. The game of football is taking territory. It's basically simulated battle. It's us versus them where we line up and I'm tra- trying to take as much territory from you as I can. By the way, I stole that from Condoleezza Rice because she's a huge Browns fan and she's she come is. and talked to us a bunch of times. And she always said that when she was describing the game of football to other leaders in other countries that had no concept of football, she would always describe it like exactly like that. Well, it's a game <laughs> of war. It's We're trying to take more territory than the other team. But then all of a sudden you pause it and you try out this little guy that <laughs> remarkably is a lot like Andrew Hawkins, but they're never yeah. black. Yep. And you try to get him to kick the ball, which at no other point in the game are you allowed to kick the ball through the uprights. It's just so fun because it's so weird and abstract and partly because I am kind of a weirdo and I enjoy unusual things. I just hope it never goes away because it's just part of the amazingness of football and why it's so special. Well, I was thinking about it like, okay, kickers and maybe we'll have Pat Mack if you want to talk about this, but kickers 
There's not much they do in the game that couldn't be done by a second-string quarterback just throwing the football, right? Like, I guess back in the day, maybe they couldn't throw it that far. Now, they could throw it 60, 70 yards. So for kickoff, why not just put your backup quarterback there and let him literally throw the football as far as he can and make that the kickoff return? And then he actually could probably tackle better than a kicker. So... There's that. Well, you could you could replace them with a kicking machine, but that would be no fun. You're way too accurate throwing the football. Yeah, I guess so. The reason maybe you could the replace them with a Browns quarterback, a former <laughs> a former Browns quarterback. That <laughs> way you get rid of the accuracy problem. <laughs> That's nice. Stuff. I like the fact too that it, it builds tension and then it happens in a split second. No other part of the game of football happens. You like build so much tension and then it happens at a split second. Even maybe like a goal line play, it doesn't happen immediately. It happens kind of like over three or four seconds. It gets drawn out to a crescendo. Whereas kicking, there's the tension that builds during the timeout and before the snap. Yep. And then the snap hold kick and it's up and you know almost immediately if it's going to go in or it's not going to go in. And if you have to wait till the last second to see if it's going to hit the upright or go in, it's just a, <laughs> that is like the peak of excitement in a game of football. Yeah. I'm, I'm Whether gonna, you want to believe it or you want to admit it or not, that is the truth. Yeah. I'm going to say question. tripping too. Um, before Joe kicks to the next question, um, I'm going to say you are tripping because that's just the way we've always done things. It's too that's like true. it There's makes a lot too of much sense in football. to do that for us to actually do it. Because if we start doing things that only make sense, we change the whole world, unfortunately, John. All right, what do you got next? I did not expect it to get that deep. <laughs> Second question. Yeah, it was super deep. Guys, the Jets are one and six. Sam Darnold threw three picks this week. Teddy Bridgewater, by contrast, went five and zero oh as the Saints starting QB. If you guys remember, the Jets traded Teddy Bridgewater last year to the Saints. Am I tripping? Or will the Jets regret not only taking Sam Darnold in the draft last year, but then flipping Teddy Two Gloves for a third round pick? No, you're not tripping. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves is going to make a lot of money, whether in New Orleans or somewhere else, because he's shown in the five games back that he was a, a, a an above average quarterback, and that's something we we already knew because he was that for the Minnesota Vikings when he was there. If Teddy Bridgewater never got hurt, the Vikings and, and with Zimmer or whatever, they they would be a perennial playoff team and all of that. It was just that nobody expected him to come back from injury the way he has, and he showed a lot of skills for the Saints over the last five weeks. I actually felt like he should have. Played the game today, and Drew Brees sort of came back after the bye. But Drew Brees brought it out, so what can I say? So I feel like secretly Teddy Bridgewater paid Drew Brees a lot of money to go out there and play in this game because Teddy knew <laughs> he already has done enough to yep. earn himself a huge contract somewhere. And the only thing he could do by playing anymore is to screw that up. So we have this just amazing taste in our mouth right now after watching Teddy Two Gloves yep. go 5-0 and as the Saints quarterback. And it's a perfect time for him to just sit back now and hold the clipboard and wait till the <laughs> Brinks truck backs up and unloads in his driveway. But let's let's. Uh, I got another question for you here as we uh, divert. Am I tripping into our own segment? Do you think the Saints were smart by rolling out Drew Brees against the Cardinals, lesser opponent, before their bye, potentially exposing him to risk when he could have rested another couple weeks with that uh, with that hand? Uh, I did up until you just said the word Cardinals because then it all came together for me. The Cardinals defense is not good. So 
you want to bring Drew Brees back. If he's healthy enough to play and everyone feels good about where he's at with his thumb injury, you bring him back against a, a, a lesser defense and you let him get into a rhythm, work out the kinks a little bit. And from what I've seen, I think he did that. He had a really good game, but I know there were some throws he missed. Um, I've seen some people talking about. And then you give him a bye week to practice. He comes back against the Falcons. And you really set yourself up for him to get back to being peak Drew Brees after two or three weeks of live game action. So look at that more as a scrimmage. Everybody's happy, like you said. Teddy's happy because he can't mess up all the millions and millions of dollars he made himself. Drew's happy because he doesn't have to sit there and, and hear people talking about, uh, do they actually need Drew Brees? That's like the worst thing for someone who gets injured, to watch a team still do well when you're done because then you're like, oh, man, I guess I'm not – I'm not, I guess I'm not as good as I, <laughs> I thought I guess I'm not was. as important yeah. as I thought I was. It's the worst. Everyone who, every player that gets hurt yeah. secretly wants whoever does their job to do bad. That is a real take. <laughs> that's, that's real. I'm going to just add one little cherry on top of what you just said because what you said is exactly what I thought. If you would have asked me two days ago, I would have gave the same thing that most people are saying. Drew Brees, just let him rest. There's no reason to have him come back. Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, he's 5-0, and he's rolling. Like, Don't put Brees back too quick because right now they're playing for a Super Bowl. They're already basically in the playoffs. Like, Don't ruin it. Yep. But after thinking about it a little bit more and thinking about what you just said, you are spot on because this is like a practice game. This was like giving him an exhibition game yeah. where he could knock <laughs> off some rust, get into the bye week, and then come out of it and then be fully ready to go for the stretch uh, before the playoffs. But also, if he plays and there's some soreness or anything that happens in this basic exhibition game against the Cardinals, they're going to get a full two weeks to get right before the next game. Yep. So he's got that whole bye week if his hand gets sore, if the stitches pop open a little bit. So this was a great opportunity to kind of ease him into things, give him another two weeks off before the stretch run, before they go on their Super Bowl run. Because here's the thing, Joe, and belaboring this point, like we always yes. say, drink. That's what we do the best. That's what we do the best. When you have an injury, this is, this is NFL player insight. There are injuries that happen that it doesn't matter how long you rest. Let's say it's a six-week injury. Let's say you give it an extra six weeks. You come back in week 12. There are things that are going to happen with that injury that will only get better when you get into live action, right? Mm -hmm. It's like ripping the Band-Aid off. I tell this to all my, my nephews and cousins who play football. And it's like, listen, you hurt your knee, and I get you're trying to wait until it's the perfect time, but some things won't get better until you literally get out there and go live and give yourself that rep because it's going to take some soreness. It's going to take working out that scar tissue. It's going to take you getting comfortable and it's going to hurt like a SOB. But the longer you pro, the, the more you prolong it, you're still going to go through that process, whether it's now or whether it's first the Falcons in, in three weeks after the bye. Next question. First, it was the Falcons. Speaking of the Falcons, hey, now, the Falcons. It's the, now it's the New York Giants. Am I tripping or is a players only meeting a bad sign? For coaching staffs in Atlanta and New York. Ah, uh, man. Yes. Players, I, if I had a nickel for every players only meeting I've been in, <laughs> um, I mean, that is, that's, that's one of the, the, the clear signs of, you know what, this is not going where we want it to go. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think how you can, I don't know how you can make it back from a players only meeting as a coaching staff because now it's, it's basically what it's saying is players are saying, oh, we got to take over because the coaches can't do it. We have to send the message that the coaches just can't send. And if you're doing it at this point, mm, that's probably bye-bye, specifically the Falcons. Early on in my career, we did some players-only meeting. And when you're a wide-eyed rookie, you don't really know your head from your ass. 
Yeah. And at the time, I was thinking, wow, this is great. Like, these players, they get a chance to stand up and say what they feel and, like, uh, you know, airing of grievances. And this is going to really make us a better team. But you know what I learned after a couple of years of those? I, I, I learned that, no, all this is is a f- formal forum for us to <laughs> formally fracture and completely <laughs> separate and give up on the season. So towards the end of my career, I actually, as when I became more of a captain and a leader, I got the opportunity to completely shut down all opportunities to do yeah, players-only meetings. Because the only thing I ever saw come out of players-only meetings were physical fights. And, I actually saw people get into fist fights. I saw people that hate each other way more after they walked out of that <laughs> meeting. And I saw people come up with bitches and grievances that we didn't even think were a problem. But that never got solved. I never saw one thing get solved in a players-only meeting. Basically, to me, a players-only meeting is like a giant Thor hand hammer to a rock that's got a bunch of <laughs> fractures and cracks to it. And as soon as you go in there with that players only meeting, now that you've got all these little problems, you've just fractured that rock into a million pieces that'll never be able to be put back together. Right. So players only meeting that yeah. is the last sign that your season is over. The players hate each other and they're not willing or <laughs> not able to fix any of the problems that are going on. It's like that meeting where you, uh, it's like people are saying the things that went unsaid, like that's going to help. Like, ah, uh, Players only beat, man. I just got to keep it real. I can't stand you, and I don't think you're very good at football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, so how do we fix that? As the team. <laughs> yeah, this, this is great. I think we made a lot of progress. Oh, and usually they last about an hour, which is a waste of everybody's time. Right. And you think about like distractions. That's always the thing that coaches hate the most. They always love to talk about distractions. We don't want any distractions. Why is that? It's because during the NFL season, you have these precious amount of hours where you're able to practice, watch film, study tape, have meetings. And anything that you do that's not football related is taking your time away from doing those things. And so when you have an hour players only meeting, what happens is then you don't have the time for film review. You don't have as much time for practice, for walkthrough, things that will actually make your team better, (laughs) that will actually make your players like each other more is when, oh, all of a sudden that pass that uh, we incompleted goes for a touchdown. Now we like each other all of a sudden. Now we're hugging in the end zone versus looking at each other that we saw a little bit out of the Browns today. I don't know if you saw OBJ and Baker. They missed each other on one uh, at least one connection. And there was some frustration from OBJ like, Come on, man. Like, yep. you know, I was going to bend it here and uh, you threw it over there. Uh, so if you're on the practice field, you actually have a chance to, like, correct those things. Whereas if you're sitting in a players only meeting, bitching at each other, you're not doing any of those good things that are productive. Players only meetings should only be called in the end zone after touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Take the 15 yard pitter. Everyone gather up in the end zone. Then then they would actually save coaching staff. Joe, do you have any stories from these players-only meetings? It sounds very dramatic. Fights and fractures and all of this. er, Earlier on in my career, so my rookie year, Romeo Cornell was our head coach. Willie McGinnis was one of the captains. Oh, Willie. That's a bad dude. I I am serious. We had every Monday morning like a one-hour time slot before we started everything to like have a players-only meeting. Um, And when we were winning, it was great. The second year, we're losing. Not so great. And 
at one point we were on a little bit of a skid and truthfully everybody has a chance to get up there and you say you're bitch or whatever and a lot of guys doesn't make any damn sense uh you're the guy <laughs> that dropped that pass health insurance but, that's another yeah, thing i yeah, want to talk no, about it was great yeah it was great it would be like the, the literally the guy that dropped the pass that <laughs> lost us the game is going to stand up there and complain that the hamburgers were cold on that Friday before the game. And that's why he dropped the pass. Like it becomes such bullshit. And like, they literally are complaining about the dumbest stuff of all time. And I guarantee Belichick, not that they would ever need one, but he would never allow that because he knows that it's just a bunch of players bitching about stuff. They got no control over that. Don't matter. It's your mind focusing on things that don't matter. But there was a quick story. Lawrence Vickers was our fullback. He was a bad dude. And he got up, and him and Hank Fraley started having a heated moment in our players-only meeting, and they actually got into a fist fight where people had to hold Lawrence back. And the next day, Vic was so hot, he said he saw red and he blacked out. He didn't remember any of that happening. Mm, might have been the cocaine. Thankfully, there was people to hold him back because it might have been the cocaine. <laughs> because uh, Hank Fraley versus Lawrence Vickers, I'm not sure what the outcome would have been. Hank but Fraley, uh, judging, judging yeah, ju- judging by their uh, weight room performances, I'm guessing Vickers would have come out on top. Yeah. Sorry, Hank. I know you're a big fan. He's the Lions offensive line coach now. Uh, but he was never known as an athletic specimen. Oh, um, shout out to the, Col- the Colonials. Is the Robert Morris mascot? I don't know. Did Willie Could McGinnis be. ever beat anybody up in front of you? Or are you scared Not in to front talk of me. The it? year before I got there, he got in a, uh, a nice locker room skirmish with one of the offensive linemen and literally beat his ass. My brother. And you know what it was over? Hamburgers. Shower shoes. Shower <laughs> shoes. That's it. The dude, the O-lineman, wasn't wearing shower shoes and really was like, you're nasty, bro. And he was like, what did you say? No, oh, like, don't You want to take this outside? Willie and, was and, like, uh, my pleasure. <laughs> and, and and Willie Willie was like, I'm not going to tell you right now that I train as a boxer in the offseason yeah. and my arms are 10 feet long and I'm going to kill you. I don't know if anybody. <laughs> so they, they settled it like gentlemen and Willie kicked his ass. Well, I, we work with Willie also at the NFL Network. And if you've ever seen Willie McGinnis, he actually walked by the uninterrupted offices last week and I went out and dapped him up. And the people I was sitting with that work as well as executives at uninterrupted were like, who the hell is that dude? He looked like a giant. I'm like, yeah, he will still bend somebody like a pretzel. He played with my brother in New England, and my brother always says he was the scariest dude he's ever had as a teammate. And my brother played with a lot of bad dudes, too. He played with Lorenzo Neal. Uh, a lot of dudes Ooh, were known Lorenzo for kicking Neal. ass. Ooh. And he was like, yo, Willie is football saved not only Willie, but a lot of people from getting their ass kicked by Willie because that's a scary dude. Hopefully he doesn't hear this podcast <laughs> and get upset. Um, he, he's, he a, does, he's a great guy, and he's Joe a Thomas, great talent, no and doubt. you can hit me on Twitter, at JoeThomas73. And, and Hawk was the one saying bad things about you, by the way. Oh, yeah, right. Willie, don't believe it. What's next, John? Run, pass, option. Run it or pass it. Run it. Run, 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 pass, option. All right, in this segment, run, pass, option, we go through all the games from Sunday, and we... Decide whether we want to run with the topic and talk about it or pass on it because we don't really care. All right, John, what's the first one? Rams beat winless Bengals in London. Hawk, run it or pass it? Um, I'm going to pass it because we all expected that to happen. Mm. Joe? Pass it. But I am surprised that with the talent that the Bengals have, which they still have some talent, especially at quarterback and some of the skill positions they're so bad Ugh. yeah i wouldn't ex- uh, you must not have seen the defense oh and eight 
Guys, Texans outduel Raiders in gritty home win. Lose J.J. Watt for the season. Joe, run it or pass it. I'll run this. Um, the Texans have really impressed me this season. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, has taken a huge step. He was always a good player, but now he's understanding how to protect himself better, which is making everybody around him better. He don't always have to die on every play to extend it to the bitter end to try to make a play. If you just play within the offense and take what the defense gives you, he is such a fantastic talent with such a fantastic arm that uh, you can win within that offense, and he's figuring it out, and it's a fun offense to watch. I can't wait to do the Houston game in, in a few weeks down uh, there on Thursday Night Football. J.J. Watt out for the year. That hurts, and his career is in question. Mm, I don't think J.J. comes back. I'm going to run it. All right, I don't, I don't think J.J. comes back from the injury, to be honest. I mean, I feel like he's at that point in his career. He's had a lot of nagging injuries, which happens to a lot of people once they get to the tail end. Um, he's probably going to do some soul searching, which I'm sure he has sent out a tweet already about soul searching and talking over with his family. You know, we all say the same thing that Joe said when he knew good and damn well he was going to retire. So I think that's what's good, what J.J. is going to do. Um, also, Joe, question. If you can go back to that draft, would you take Deshaun Watson instead of Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett is incredible. Probably going to be defensive player of the year. But Deshaun no, Watson. No, I would still is take Miles incredible. Garrett because I still think you could get you got your quarterback then the next year with Baker. Yep, true. All right. What we got next? Colts best Broncos by a nose. That's a horse racing pun. Hawk, mm. run it or pass it. <laughs> I am going to pass it. I'll run it. To me, the big story in this game was Adam Vinatieri, Mr. Reliable. All of a sudden this season, he's struggling to make extra points. He's struggling to make field goals. And I feel bad for him. Um, and I'm going to say that I think Tom Brady is going to retire after this season. And this is why. Because he's seen how Adam Vinatieri has struggled and the pain that it's causing Adam clearly. And Brady wants to retire before there is any semblance of performance decrease and he's still playing at a very, very high level, but he knows if he just tries to stretch this thing out to the end, there's going to be that year where people are going to say, just like with Peyton, oh, he doesn't have it anymore. He can't make those throws. And I also think Tom wants to spend more time with his family. Hawk, bonus run. Do you agree? You think Brady's going to retire? Um, I predicted Brady would retire last year, mm -hmm. and I was wrong. Um, so, yes, I'm going to say he's retiring. I'm going to say he's retiring every year until he does. And then I'm going to <laughs> and then, come and then back at some to point audio. you're going to run that bag and be like, look, I called it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what, what do you think about my take, though? Bucks. What do you think about my take about him wanting to retire because he doesn't ever want to be on a football field when he's performing at less than GOAT status? I don't think that's going to force him out. What I think is going to force him out is that they've become too dependent on him. He is very good. He is still playing better than everyone else. So I get what you're saying. But if you watch even today's Browns game, you look at Tom Brady on the sideline, he's not happy because I think he's starting to feel like, yo, as I'm getting older, you should be putting more weapons around me. People should be elevating yep. their game. And it's actually going the opposite. He's had some O-line issues. Again, it's like the receivers. He, I, I think he probably would still like A-B in the lineup because Gronk retiring, like it's getting harder for him, not because he's aging, because they're giving him less on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I'll, I'll say one more thing too. I truly believe this with everything in my heart. No professional athlete has ever sacrificed more for greatness than Tom Brady. Mm. He's literally sacrificed his life and time with his family and time with his friends. He does lives 
Tom Brady, the quarterback, trying to play for a Super Bowl 24-7. Doesn't matter what point of the offseason, what point of the season it is. He's focused on everything that he does from a workout to putting in his body to thinking about to living. It's all about winning the Super Bowl. And I, I think he's tr- ready to stop sacrificing time with his family. He's a great father uh, to his kids. He's got a close relationship yeah, with good. his parents. His I'm, mom, I think, had yeah. cancer. I don't know yep, yep. how that's going currently. Um, but I think he's ready to say, like, I've done enough in my football career. It's time for me to go and enjoy my family more and stop making them the second fiddle to my football career. Yeah. I was going to butt in with a joke there, and then you, you took it to a really a really nice place uh, when you said he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good father to his kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. I'm glad he's a, he's a good father to them and not somebody else, whoever uh, that would be. But, okay, what's next? <laughs> Moving on. Titans outlast Buccaneers in controversial finish. Joe, run it or pass it? Pass. I'm going to run it. Uh, Jameis Winston, it's been real, man. It's, uh, it's time to move on. It's, you know, you're, you are now a backup quarterback, unfortunately. You know, and Jameis has shown promise every once in a while like he does some things really really good but then his decision making and his ability to take care of the ball are so low sometimes and you watch today's game and he had a bu- bunch of turnovers again um and it's i think he leads the league in turnovers so like since he's been in the NFL he has more turnovers than any other player mm-hmm. so it's 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 probably time it's backup time for Jameis Winston which is still about 8 to 10 million dollars a year so we won't cry too hard for him there was some early positive returns when Bruce Arians came in there and was working with Jameis, and then I, I almost believed that he was going to be able to fix the decision-making issues that Jameis Winston has had in the turnovers and critical moments. But then all of a sudden, in the last few games, he looks like the old Jameis Winston again, and I think you're right. It's time to move on. Guys, the Bucks are now 0-4 against backup quarterbacks this season. Not good. The Lions roar and the Giants shrink in Motor City matchup. Hawk, runner to pass it. I am going to pass it because I, for one, could care less. Joe? <laughs> uh, I'll pass it, but I'm going to say Daniel Jones looks like he's going to be a franchise quarterback, but he continues yes. to make the rookie bonehead mistakes that are going to cause the team to lose a lot of football games and and for a couple of years i think it's going to take him a couple of years before he starts to minimize the turnovers and the critical mistakes and that's just part of learning how to be a boop. pocket passer boop. in the nfl boop boop so you ran it anyway I, I figured i'd give you the <laughs> the countdown thank you if you're keeping score at home hawk and joe each have one run left bears blow it against <laughs> I don't chargers know that's possible <laughs> i should even takes on five of these <laughs> Bears blow it against Chargers in Chicago. Hawk, run it or pass it? I'm going to pass it. Joe? I'm going to run it. Um, I like this game, and I I feel sorry for my friends in Chicago. Uh, Being in Madison, grew up in Milwaukee, a couple hours down the road from Chicago. A lot of Bears fans out there pretty frustrated right now with Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy. And uh, Matt Nagy was getting asked a lot of questions about why did you settle for a 41-yard field goal once you got into field goal range? They took knees instead of continue to run the football, um, and he really didn't want to talk about it. But I actually want to defend – Uh, Matt Nagy here because once you have a 40 yard or closer field goal your percentage of success there is pretty high and trying to get another 10 yards and the risk that it would take with a possible turnover especially when the team's trying to 
limit you and they know you're going to run the football and you have Mitch Trubisky at quarterback who's not exactly lighting it up throwing the football you can't really trust him to throw the football uh the risk is just way greater than the reward of trying to get any closer and your field goal kicker should be able to make a 41 yarder you can kill me I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, we got the double countdown it's cool because I don't think I want to run any of the rest of these topics so Joe could just have my extra run or I could save it for the next episode are those a part of the rules it's not 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 how it works well Joe's out of runs okay and yeah. you're punting on third down yeah <laughs> a classic browns maneuver by you i'm gonna do the freddy kitchens i'm gonna take the false start back me up and then punt it or go for it go for it on fourth and 20 i would like it to be fourth and 25 to make it a little harder because this is too easy going against this number one defense. how about this talk we'll do quick word association about why you don't care okay eagles soar over bills um everyone knew the bills weren't really as good as we thought they were Oh, I still got him going to the playoffs. Yeah, that that is more indicative of what I just said than ever. Go ahead. What's next? <laughs> Schaub hangs up 460 yards and Falcons lost to Seahawks. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. How many touchdowns did he throw? That's all we need. Thank you very much. <laughs> 49ers, Mall Panthers hang up 51 points for the first time since 1993. Cow shed hand, 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 cow Everybody's hammered right now. You're welcome, Tom Flock. <laughs> shots, 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 shots. Everybody. Before we wrap this show up, uh, we have one more voicemail. Let's play it. Hey, Joe, this is Todd from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Just wanted to say how great it is to see another Scani on TV. Strike! It's Big Bursky. I just wanted to thank you, Joe Stradamus, for counting the Vikings out. Because every time you do, you both know it means the Vikings win. It's inevitable, brother. I hope you sell out your live show in November so that everyone can show up and they can laugh at Joe. They can go, ha ha, on your ass. Ha ha. Oh, man. Oh, my God. By the way, Beef Brewski might be in the Tomaflock Hall of Fame. <laughs> I absolutely love his interactions on Twitter. There's nobody that talks better trash than Beef Brewski. And I believe he even changes his Twitter handle maybe once or maybe that was just me dreaming. But uh, he is great. And as soon as I picked the Redskins on Thursday night football to win. He was all over me. Thank you so much. Cause you're an idiot. Justin <laughs> Thomas is never right. But I will say the reason I picked the Redskins was because I was under duress from the Tama flock. It was directly their fault for trying to get in the risk no it risk it, no biscuit <laughs> catchphrase. And there was no chance to get it in uh, the entire show until the end and to make a fool of myself by taking the Redskins in a game. They clearly were going to get smoked <laughs> Well, we appreciate it, man. The Tomaflock appreciates your service. We're really going to be sad and mourn uh, for the loss of your job when it comes because it makes you a terrible analyst on NFL Network. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm but excited about our, our catchphrase this week. What is it again? Is it Papa Don't Play That or Papa Don't Play That Game? I think it's just Papa Don't Play That. Okay, because Papa Don't Play That Game would be – that would make it even funnier because <laughs> there's no way you can get that into a broadcast without looking like a complete fool. All right, so Papa Don't Play That is coming to the broadcast this week. Uh, you did Can it. I just say, 
My producers, they all listen to my podcast and they get so excited in the production <laughs> truck on Thursday Night Football when I drop the catchphrase and they, they'll, they'll throw it in my ear. As soon as I say it, they're like, boom, you got it in. They were so proud of me. Or when it's getting to the end of the show and if I haven't done it yet, they're like, oh, just a few more minutes to get Uh-oh. your catchphrase in, which feels really cool. It feels like a big family that uh, the Tama flock has really grown. My producers and co-hosts and... Uh colleagues at the NFL Network that I do my shows with have the complete opposite reaction. They have no idea what the catchphrase <laughs> game is. And every time I say oh, something as suck. dumb as I do, they think, man, this guy, how did he get a damn job here? <laughs> you know, I, I, where do you see the clip I send you from my game day live today to end the show? This might be the worst uh, the worst inclusion of the uh, catchphrase in all of the media hits that we've ever done, Joe. Wait, wait till you see it. Tomahawk, mm. check the Twitter account because it's on there. All right, that does it for this episode mm. of the Tomahawk Show. Joe, final thoughts. Final thoughts are very simple today. Matt Schaub, that's what I learned in today's NFL. Did not know Matt Schaub was still in the NFL. <laughs> Apparently, he's playing for the Atlanta Falcons. He threw for 460 <laughs> yards and one touchdown you know why because seattle went up like a gazillion to zero at the beginning of the game and then just played super soft zone coverage the whole game so matt Schaub could win his fantasy league but lose the game <laughs> leave it to joe to get an extra run in and final thoughts i have a final thought actually <laughs> uh, i, I tweeted that. this my son had a flag football game and he got flagged for what did they call it they said chopping arms as he was running people were trying to get his flag but I have video evidence that shows he was not chopping arms. Now, he did chop an arm later, but they had already thrown the flag earlier. So it was almost like they brought that on themselves by throwing the flag too early. Um, and then I put on there that I made me mad. And people think that I was really mad. And they think I actually give a damn about children's flag football. And I don't. But I will say, that was bull, man. And I'm petitioning to the league to have that ref removed. Um, that does it. You are what's wrong with youth sports. I will just I'm okay put it out with there that right now. I am okay with being what's wrong with youth sports because I've always been what's wrong with youth sports ever since I was a youth, and I used to celebrate my touchdowns and get flagged as a as a twelve year old. Okay, I am what's wrong with the youth of America. <laughs> Thank you. That does it for the Tomahawk Show. Thank you for joining us, man. Um, be responsible with your croquet. <sighs> we could probably cut that part out. All right, we'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs> And Wednesdays are for the players. We have a special interview, and I can't wait for people to, to get a hold of it. We have somebody joining the Tama Flock that makes way too much sense. His name, we will not tell you, but I'll give you a hint. It's Rob Gronkowski. All right. <laughs> Around the NFL crew, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. Go Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>